0: You're listening to the sermon audio from Mill Creek Community Church. If you like what you've heard or want to find out more information, please visit our website at mymillcreek.com.
1: Good morning. My name is Rally Tublock. I'm a deacon here at Mill Creek, and I will be reading the word today. And kids, welcome to the service with us. Uh, this morning's passage is in 2 Timothy 4 verses 9 through 22, it is the caboose of Second Timothy. <laughs> it could be found, uh, found on page 936 in the chairback Bibles uh, in the seats there. And so uh, if you don't have a Bible, please uh, feel free to take one of those home with you. Second Timothy 4 verses 9 through 22, hear the living word of God. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with his present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychius I have sent to Ephesus, when you come... Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord, and it is truth let us pray. Father, thank you for your words through the Apostle Paul. It has been good to study 2nd Timothy and to understand what it takes to build a sound gospel-centered local church body. Spirit, help us and give us the power to live out these truths as Christians. And Lord, uh, give us hearts to reach the lost. Enable Pastor Jeremy to deliver your word clearly today. And we pray these things together in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. There's a hit song. In the musical that came out in 2015, Hamilton, the song in there is called My Shot. This musical, Hamilton, hit Broadway, and I realize the soundtrack isn't for everybody, seeing as it's rap music applied to the American Revolution. But in this song, My Shot, Hamilton, who's a forefather of our country, is imagined to be this rapper walking us through the journey of our freedom. And he establishes his identity and and he clarifies his destiny as he raps, just like my country, I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. Now, there's a lot of reasons that I think Hamilton was a, Pop culture hit. And then one reason is our culture loves rags to riches stories. Our culture loves them. Our country loves them. From Cinderella, following this theme, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, even the recent Wonka movie has a rags to riches theme. If those are all unfamiliar to you, imagine like the book of Esther from our Bible. Rags to riches, so to speak. But you want to know what story doesn't get a lot of playtime in Hollywood? It would be the riches to rags story. Rags to riches, man, that's all the rage. But you flip that, it's not so popular. No, I don't think Harry Potter does very well if Harry gets done with school and then lives on un- unemployment the rest of his life. You know, little orphan Annie grows up to struggle to make ends meet after she ages out of the orphanage. Nobody's going to that show. In our text today, we find Paul at the end of his life. He's at the end of his story. And for those of you who know, Paul went from riches to rags. Paul went from the top of his game. He had the right parents He had the right ethnicity, he went to the right schools, he had the right credentials, he had the right connections, and he, for all intents and purposes, was the man. And then God knocked him off a horse and sent him on a riches-to-rags story. Second Timothy, of course, Paul's last letter in our Bible. He's in jail, likely cold awaiting execution, and he's writing to a dear friend for one last time. I've heard it said, last words are lasting words. And having already walked through most of this brilliant letter, we appreciate that in these four chapters that we have, he is not complaining No, he's much more worried about Timothy, his pastoral protege and the gospel ministry that he wants to make sure his boy Timothy carries on. And despite loneliness that Paul's got to face, he wants Timothy to know, you man, you have to carry on the fight for the crown of life. The crown of life, of course, This this picture of what is given to the victor who wins the race. you got to carry on for the crown of life. Paul, having just said, I've carried on. I'm going to get my crown of life. You do the same. And in this letter, we we come to see how, how beat up and tired Timothy is. Timothy, like a boxer in a prize fight, is sitting between rounds. And he doesn't have his corner man there anymore because Paul, like we just said, is in jail. And that's why Paul has worked so hard to, to encourage Timothy. Timothy, you got to get off this stool, and you got to get back in that fight. Don't you quit, Timothy. And as we've walked through this letter, we've seen the first seven encouragements that are why Timothy needs to get back up. And for those of you who've been here, this is perhaps jogging your memory. Remember your spiritual heritage Remember who's been in your corner before. They may not actually been there, but I know your mom, I know your grandma, and I know that spiritual faith. And you're my son. You have real faith. Carry on. And realize your gigantic salvation. Timothy, I know it's hard right now, but this thing isn't actually about you. You you got saved all the way in eternity past. And Christ is going to keep you all the way to eternity future. So just run your race, man, because this thing is so much bigger than you. Get in the fight. Don't you quit. Timothy, you, you protect gospel doctrine. There are gospel punches worth taking. There are gospel fights worth having. You protect it. There are, deals, there are hills to die on. And remember Jesus Christ. He's what this whole thing is about. Depart from sin. We're not to, be, not to be messing with sin. Avoid imposters. There are false teachers. Avoid them. Commit to God's church. So here, at the end of the letter, whether we're young, scrappy, and hungry this morning, or whether we walk in here old, weary, and worn down, what will we find? Here's the surprise. Paul's not just going to ride off into the sunset. Paul's not just pushing cruise control and going, got a few weeks, got a few months, I'm going to kick back, relax. No, in contrast to what our culture tells us about retirement, in contrast to this message that sometimes we face where once you retire, you get to check out, live for yourself, collect seashells. Paul is calling Timothy to commit all of life to Christ, especially the end. For while he's low on resources, Paul, even here at the end, he has high hopes. See, Paul, in my view here, he's like a sheriff in an old western movie. And he's been shot to smithereens. He's only got a few moments left, but with the bullets left in his chamber, he's going down shooting. Kids, if you're in here, I don't, I don't know if it's very politically correct to, to have guns like this and to shoot bad guys. But if... But if You want to join me in shooting bad guys? That's what Paul does. He has a few bullets left. He's going down, and he's given us an example of how we ought to not waste our shot. For us today, church, we shouldn't waste our shot. And man, I wish some brilliant artists would put 2 Timothy to a rap album. If they did, this final section, this final song, it would be fire. I'm excited to preach through this. Here's his final sermon in a sentence if you're taking notes. Carry on the fight to the very end. Carry on the fight to the very end. I've, I've heard some people say that these last verses, they're like flyover country when you're reading your Bible. Like, oh, the good stuff. It, now it's just kind of tying the stuff up. This is all flyover country. It's like whatever, whatever. This, uh, this may be my favorite. I want to show you why. We've got eight ways to go down fighting. Eight ways to go down fighting. So if you have little notes, you're going to write down eight things. And, and if you're thinking, oh, good grief. Pastor, you guys moved this to family worship. I've got my kids with me. Eight, are you kidding me? I'm gonna go fast. I'm not gonna wrap them, but I am gonna move quick, so you're gonna have to write quick. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you go here? 2 Timothy 4, 9 to 22. I know we didn't read verses 19 to 22, but we are gonna capture that here. How do we go down fighting? How how are we gonna make it to the end? Here's number one. Be humble enough to ask for help. Be humble enough to ask help. For help, Look with me at the, verse 9. It's short, sweet, to the point. Paul wants Timothy to visit soon. Back in chapter 1, verse 4, at the very beginning, we already saw that Paul longed to see Timothy. Or look there at verse 21 of chapter 4. Paul is nearly repeating himself. Do your best to come before winter, Timothy. Paul, at the end of his life, in jail, wanted to see his guy one more time. More than that, look at chapter 4, verse 13. When you come, sounds more like an expectation. And some say that Paul here, he is hungry for gospel fellowship. He needs a friend. Tell me, church, does that surprise you? that The big dog, Paul himself, he needs a friend. See, some people have a tendency to think that Really mature Christians, they just go up a mountain with a Bible and they're by themselves. And this is what real Christianity is. Doesn't seem like that from Paul, does it? Far less Superman, much more normal man. And I trust if we'd asked Paul, he'd say, I'm nothing, man. Paul, striving to be faithful, eager for gospel companionship and what we can appreciate about Paul here, what I want you to see is how he's asking for help from Timothy. He's not too proud. And that's our first takeaway. Because friends, if we're going to make it to the end, we got to learn how to ask for help. And that's humbling. And I know we all walk around most of the week thinking, no, I got it, I'm fine. Can I bring you something? No. Can I get you to? No, I'm good. It's me, blah, 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 blah. But at the end, we actually need to be people who ask for help. And I'm wondering here, In what areas do you need some help right now? Anybody in here? Anybody in here realizing that you don't have what it takes to get it done all by yourself? Anybody in here needing a, not just a gospel friend. I, I, I like the way some on our staff team have said gospel companion. Gospel companions. Not just some people who smile and say hi, but people who like know how you're doing. People who are with you through thick and thin. People that you can text or call late at night when your heart's gushing out and you need prayer. People who know you when things are going good and bad. I wonder, are you humble enough to ask for help? I don't know how we make it to the end if we don't go down fighting. That's the first way, humbly ask for help. Second, don't love this present world. Look at 10a. Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. And it doesn't get much sadder than that. Demas has been one of Paul's boys. He was there in Colossians 4.14. As Paul is writing to that church, Demas is still with him. But, but now, without details, it leaves us to conclude that Demas saw the riches to rags trajectory and Demas was out. Let's be honest, Christians. The temptation to quit is real. The temptation to, to phone it in, wave the white flag, I'm gonna give it up. It's real, that's a real temptation. The race for the crown of life is hard. And, and on this side of eternity, it is not rags to riches for us. It is riches to rags. And it's lonely and it's difficult. And people that we love who we thought were in the race with us, they fall out. And it can be so difficult and discouraging. And we too, like Timothy, can feel like we're between rounds. We're bloodied. We're beat up. We're battered. And we're thinking, I don't know that I got anything left in the tank to keep going. And especially in those moments, man, we got to guard what we love. When we're angry, when we're lonely, when we're tired. And and here's why. Our feet will follow what our hearts love. What your heart loves, your feet will follow you there. That's why we've got to guard our heart. Cultivate that which is good and true and and beautiful. For, For Demas, the love of the world became a tractor beam brought him right in. And what about you? Man, if you're going to faithfully endure to the end, you got to see the world for what it is. We're not to love this present world. And and don't get me confused. Of course we love people in the world. And, and, And of course this doesn't mean you can't enjoy heat or or appliances. That's not what we're talking about. It it doesn't even mean you can't have money in your account. What what Paul is calling us to see here, the, the example he gives us helps us realize that there is a terrible problem when the things of the world become more important to us than the things of God. That's what happened with demons. We're not to love the world. I think John gets it right in 1 John 2.16. He writes, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Beware, church. Don't love this present world. Beware the path of Demas. We are not rags to riches on this side. We are riches to rags. And if you want to make it to the very end, you got to understand loving the world is fatal to faithfulness. Don't love the present world. Third way to go down swinging have mission minded friends. Look at 10b. Crescians has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. I imagine Paul here like some mafia don. He's incarcerated, cigar, sending the troops out. Low on resources, high on hope, engaged in mission, even though he's still incarcerated. Kids, kids, teenagers, those of you in this room, let me give you some advice. Your, your parents maybe had it. I, I had to learn it the hard way. But let me, let me give you some advice when it comes to friends. When it comes to the friends you pick, the friends you pick, those decisions who you let be the, the, the friends in your inner circle are some of the most important decisions you will ever make in your life. Kids, teens, who you call friends, it's true for adults too, whoever we bring into that inner circle, those are some of the most important decisions you will ever make in your life. Show me the things they love or, or show me the kind of boyfriend and girlfriend that, that, and the things that they love. You show me those things and I and your parents have a pretty good idea of the trajectory of your life just based on your friendships. Your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life. Lock that in. Moms and dads, you're welcome to steal that quote because I didn't write it, I stole it too. Your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. Okay, then, Pastor, what kind of friends should I look to find? You ever heard of one way missionaries? You ever heard of the one-way missionaries? I appreciate my guy back there. I thank you, young Snyder. He's listening better than some of y'all are. And he's talking to me. I love that. One-way missionaries. I hadn't heard of them either until I was prepping for this sermon. 1700s, 1800s, there was a group of friends, as I understand. And they were so captivated by the glory of God that they bought one-way tickets to the mission field. They bought one-way tickets, thus the name One-Way Missionaries, and they packed their belongings in a coffin. And here's why. In the 1700s and 1800s, travel was wicked difficult. You don't just get on an airplane and come back same day. And where they were going were dangerous places. There were people who were hostile to the gospel, and they knew if I go to that unreached people group, I am putting my life in danger. And they were going to places where perhaps their life wasn't in danger from the indigenous people, but their life was in danger because of the land and the water and the, and the sort of diseases that their immunity wouldn't build up. So either way, they knew, if I'm going to go, this is a one-way ticket that's going to cost me my life. And these... Friends were so engaged in the glory of God that they said, here am I, send me. They got their one-way ticket, they put their stuff in a coffin, and they said, I'm going. Kids, those would be the kind of friends to find. People who say, I spend all my life on the riches of God's glory. I don't care if I have rags on this side. That's the kind of friend you're looking for. That's the kind of friend to be. Now, look, I'm, I'm not saying you should join us on our short-term mission trip this summer as we are not intending for you to pack your belongings in a coffin. <laughs> and we do go ahead and buy you a round-trip ticket, so that's not the ma- major point here. But do find friends so overwhelmed with the glory of God and attracted, not to the riches of this life, but to the riches of God's glory, that you and your friends would be easily able to say, yes, God, here am I, send me. Teenagers, if you don't have these kind of friends, join us on Wednesday night at student ministry. Young adults, college students, if if you're looking for these kinds of friends, we do our best to try to plug you in to those that are in our church right now. For all of us here, for all of us here, whether you're longtime Mill Creeker, you're just kind of checking us out, man, we'd love for you to have these kinds of friends. They're crucial to faithfully enduring to the end. Final consideration on this third point, mission-minded friends. While friendships can be wonderful, good grief, they can be painful too, yes? Anybody in here lost some friends? Friends that call themselves Christians, perhaps are? I don't know your details of friends that you might have fallen out of, fallen out with, but but we know from Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 15, Paul had a falling out with Mark. He had a falling out with Mark, and, and in our text, look at it. Here at the end, get Mark and bring it with me. He's very useful to me for ministry. See, see, Paul was like a pastor, and Mark was the intern, and he fired his intern. And it got so bad that Barnabas, the Paul and the Barnabas, they split up. Barnabas said, man, I can't, I can't go on with you, Paul, since you, since you flushed Mark. Paul said, all right, see ya. And they had to go their separate ways. I mean, talk about a falling out. And here all these years later, they've reconciled. If you've been hurt, don't freeze the person who hurt you. You might need to give them another chance. You might need to forgive them. If you've done the hurting, it doesn't have to be the end of the story. An encouraging word, it's never too late to reconcile. The person who hurt you has changed. You've changed to Romans 12, 18. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Be mission-minded. And forgive those who've hurt you. That's a third way to not waste your shot. Fourth way for us to go down swinging. Keep learning. We're now in verse 13. Do you see Paul wants his cloak, his books above all the parchments? We're not quite sure what the books and parchments are. I appreciated somebody who suggested that the book would be Paul's copy of the Old Testament. You know, as he's getting arrested, he's probably not able to put his book bag and say, hey, I need my old Septuagint in my backpack. Do you mind if I check that into my jail cell? But that's probably what he wants. Possibly what he wants. The the parchments, perhaps, paper for him to write more letters. Others have suggested, because Luke is with him, and you know that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, which follows Paul's life, some suggest that maybe the books and the parchments are all that written material that ends up being these two books in the New Testament. And he's like, hey, my time is coming to an end. we got to finish the story so that this thing can be inscripturated for the rest of time. We don't know, though. We don't know what the books and parchments are. Whether it's one of those two options or something altogether differently, what we do see is Paul is not done working. He's just grinding. Man, i got time. I need something to study. I need some stuff to write on wishing to do his work the cloak indicating it's probably a little cold i can appreciate that keep the heater a little low these days with cold temperatures here then a fourth way to follow paul keep learning keep learning you want to lead leaders are learners man we don't ever stop learning and it ties back into the beginning with humility you got to have the humility to say there's so much i don't know so let's keep learning live in a lot of books Read a lot of books. Ultimately, spend your most time in this book. Don't ever stop learning. Five, we keep moving. Leave revenge to God. Look at verse 14 and 15. Avoid Alexander the coppersmith. He did me great harm. Some think Alexander the coppersmith was from 1 Timothy 1.20, the guy who ship directs his faith. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Regardless, Alexander the coppersmith Did Paul dirty? And he's saying, beware. If you're coming to me, go around him. And I appreciate this because Paul really is not a mob boss calling hits out, hey, while you go by Alexander the coppersmith, put one in the dome for me. He doesn't do it. He leaves revenge to God. He leaves revenge to God. Do you see that in the text? The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. This isn't Paul's call. It's not Timothy's call. Leave revenge to God. Now, of course, I'm not saying that true criminals shouldn't be prosecuted, nor am I saying that if you're a victim here, you should suffer in silence. That's not Paul's point. Rather, his point is in those situations in which you are harmed by those who hate Jesus, we don't fight fire with fire. We leave that to the Lord and it leads us to a gospel connection here for just as you and I have done great harm to God's glory by sinning so of course others have done harm to us and as we have received forgiveness so we give forgiveness even the people who've not said sorry yet we've been forgiven let us give forgiveness comfort goes both ways and the gospel frees us from bitterness The gospel frees us from stewing on all the ways that we'd really like to get them back. Question, friends, are you leaving revenge in the hands of the Lord? If you want to make it faithfully to the end, leave it in his hands. Six, stand for Jesus even if you stand alone. Verses 15 to 17. Here in the heart of the passage, Paul explaining that when he went to trial, which in Rome there would have been two parts to it, and the first time when they give all those accusations, he's saying, I was all by myself. Nobody in my corner. I stood up alone. And and, and it leads us to imagine that as he's standing there, what is to stop him since nobody's there and nobody probably cares? Just just reject the gospel, Paul. Paul. When they make these accusations, just say, yeah, I don't believe Jesus anymore. And be free. Go have a good life. Change your mind a few minutes after you're free from jail. What's the problem? Though he might have felt alone, though, Paul wasn't really alone, was he? Verse 17. For any who are Christians here, even when you feel alone, you're not The Lord stood by Paul and strengthened him. Paul, by way of example, showing Timothy, even when they put me on trial, I'm using that opportunity to throw haymakers of the gospel. Paul's going down shooting. Dear friend, I don't know all the ways you might feel alone right now. Perhaps you feel alone, kids, teenagers at school. Maybe you pray before lunch, you're the only one, and you get teased. Maybe you feel alone in your neighborhood. Adults, maybe you feel alone at work. Maybe you feel alone in your neighborhood. Maybe maybe you feel alone in your marriage or in your family because you're the only one who professes faith in the gospel. Know this. You may feel alone. You're never alone. You're never alone. The Lord will stand by you and strengthen you. So stand for Jesus. Seven, trust the Lord's rescue. Paul knows it's not over till it's over. And Paul knows, as do Christians, that there is more to life after the first death than before. See, look, in in case you walked in here this morning, you don't profess faith in Christ, you're just checking this thing out. Maybe you thought that this life is all there actually is. The, The gospel tells us that coming after life, we will stand at judgment and that's why Paul is resting in the rescue of Jesus Christ because Paul knows that at judgment he cannot say well look at everything I've done I wrote a bunch of your New Testament on behalf of you doesn't that get me a pass into heaven no The only way that Paul can be forgiven of his heinous sins against God, the only way Paul gets entrance to heaven is if Jesus Christ rescues him. And Paul is saying, look, it's not because of what I've done that gets me into heaven. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed I've ever done. And that is a gift for us today. And an invitation for any of you in here who have thought to yourself, salvation is actually just try and cry. We, we've said this before, and it's not original to me, but, th- but that does seem to be what our culture is telling you. Just try or cry. That's what salvation is. Try. Just try real hard. Follow all the rules. Be, be, make some rules up for yourself and just do them really, really good. And if you just try and you're sincere, why then, why then surely God will let you into heaven. That's a lie. I know it isn't popular, but you can try all day. You'll never make it. Hell awaits those who tried really hard and thought, if Paul doesn't get in for trying, you don't either. I don't either. It's not try and it's not cry. Our culture tells you just, just cry. I mean, just be so sincere. I'm just, I'm so awful, I'm so awful, I'm so awful. That doesn't cut it. You can try or cry. That's not what brings salvation. What brings salvation is receiving and believing. A gift to any who walked in here. You will understand here's the gift from the Lord you will stand at judgment so you'll no longer be able to say I didn't know yes you did you're listening to it right now you will stand at judgment and it is not try or cry it is believe and receive I don't know if you're a kid in here and somehow God sovereignly knows you needed to hear that I don't know if you're an adult in here And God sovereignly knew you needed to hear that. But even right now, is the Holy Spirit operating on you? Spirit's real. The message of the gospel is true. Are you ready to ask the Lord to rescue you? Because he will. It's still riches to rags for us, but he will rescue you. Because after judgment, it is riches. That's what we have to look forward to we sacrifice present pleasure for future gain a million years from now it might have felt riches to rags but in glory it's rags to riches forever and ever and ever call on christ right now if you're not a christian when you walked in Become one by surrendering. Wave the right flag. Trust his rescue. Last one, number eight. Remember others are in the fight with you. L- let me read this. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anisiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you. Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you all. The very end, that last you is plural, which shows us that Paul intended this letter to not just be read by Timothy privately, but to be read in the worship service. All the names there in 19 to 22, they remind us that though Paul stood alone in his trial earlier, there are still others in the fight. A good reminder for any of us who might be like Elijah in the Old Testament who's like, "I'm the only faithful prophet left, God." And God's like, "Psh, I got 3,000 guys who haven't bowed down to Baal. You're you're not one of a kind, bro." Though he was alone at trial, there are still other faithful friends with Paul. And and here, friend, here One of the reasons why continuing to return to worship service here on Sunday mornings is so crucial for you because all week long we're separated from other people who truly love Jesus and we can be so discouraged and feel like, oh my word, I'm trying to live for you, Christ. I'm trying to sacrifice present pleasure for future gain, but it's hard and I'm surrounded by all of these people who are pushing me. I'm trying to swim upstream and against the current. It's just so hard. You're not alone. Matt Gonzalez, one of our staff members here, told me that Satan's strategy is similar to the lions on the Serengeti with zebras. I've never studied that. Evidently, he studies everything, and he knows, as perhaps some of you do, that the way the lions get a zebra, they separate it from the pack first. That's step one. Get them away from the pack. You get that one zebra away from the pack, and then it's on. We're going to go get that one. That's Satan's strategy for you. Get you separated from the church and then coming after you. What we have to realize is none of us can do this on our own. You need the church. I need the church. There are zero examples in the New Testament of Lone Ranger Christians, it's not a biblical category. And it's why these these services are such a gift. Hebrews 10.25 says, So let us not give up meeting together. Let us not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. It is not a new temptation to want to ignore Sunday morning services. It's been an ever-present challenge in the life of the church. here then the reminder others are in the fight with you you're not alone you're not alone and here then is how at the end of second timothy paul is going down swinging low on resources high on hope he's he's going to shoot every bullet in his gun until the lord takes him home and it reminds me it reminds me of people here at mill creek who are following in paul's footsteps and doing this very thing, I, I got permission to tell you that Jim Hayes, he's retired. He went over. I understand he went with Phil. Jake maybe was helping. They went to Holly Dankenbring's house, one of, one of our members, pulled up her carpet a while ago. He's just out serving Mill Creekers, always has, continues to do so. On the caring team, Ricky leads our caring team. Whenever there's a need in the body, Ricky will email out. Ricky's telling me, Jim's always quick to go, I'll do it, I'll do it. That guy's not worried about how to find seashells on the ocean right now. He's just, him and his wife serving the church. Thank you. Charlie Baxter, John Pruitt, both retired guys who became elders after they hit retirement, just given time, investing their wives, wonderful people serving in loads of ways. Marilyn, Karen, great examples of folks go i'm gonna give my time mr marvin usually sits in the back and he'll talk to me too like young mr snyder over here but marvin he's sick right now he's hurt himself he's got a broken arm he's getting better we miss him we look forward to having him back marvin he's he's gone on the record to say you know i'm going to give my time to loving people sharing the gospel and connecting at church that's where i'm going to give my time in retirement what a gift Dr. Ralph, Bev Richardson, serving, Elder elder Board Chair, Bev giving counseling hours after hours. And, And I was just out in the Welcome Center while we were getting coffee, and I just was looking around. And there's just loads of people that... I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I won't be able to list everybody, but the Bridges and, and the Arnold's and the Peckham's and the, and the Harold's and the Rollins and the Wild's. If, if you're here and you're needing a few examples that aren't just Paul, you have loaded people you could follow that are here right now. One of the coolest things about this church is we've got little kids and little babies and we've got folks who are faithful in retirement. Multi-generational church is not some Mill Creek idea. That's God's idea. And what a gift that we have so many awesome examples in our church. They're showing you comfort, convenience, even retirement in the way our culture talks about it is not the priority. Real life isn't found in collecting seashells. It's finishing the race to the very end. And run through the tape. Coaching middle school girls, sometimes we have to do a little conditioning. And when they let up on those last 10 or 20 yards, I'm like, oh, come on. We finished strong. That's what so many Mill Creekers are doing. That's what Paul's doing. And it's what he did. We know from history, not so long after he wrote this letter, they took Paul out of that cell and they walked him out onto the road. And he got down on his knees. And they cut his head off. The end of what seemed to be riches to rags. Some perhaps thinking, what a waste. The guy had such a bright future. But Paul knew on his knees he had a a bright future. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be rescued. And that's why he could say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. And there is a crown of righteousness waiting for me. This is how Paul went down swinging. A great example for us. Young, scrappy, and hungry to the very end. How will your story end, dear friend? If they're going to make a song about you, will they say that you ran all the way through the tape? Even though you might be old, retired, Age-wise, at heart, will you stay young, scrappy, and hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I hope for myself. I hope that for you. Carry on the fight. Carry on the fight. If you're just starting, good news. It's not too late. You just started. If, If you're in the middle of your life, good news. With Jesus, it's worth it. If you're at the very end and you're just thinking, I'm just getting it right now, good news. With Jesus, it's not too late. Go down swinging. Don't waste your shot. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you would allow us to have this letter from Paul. And I pray you would give us all the grace we need to carry on the fight to the very end. God, in whatever ways that your people here need care and encouragement, provide it, I pray. And now go with us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you like what you've heard or want to find out more information, please visit our website at mymillcreek.com.